I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle from Layers of Learning and I'm here with my sister. Hi, I'm Karen. We're going to talk about why you shouldn't skip art. We love art and we feel like it gets overlooked by so many, I mean, it's overlooked in schools, by homeschool families. It's just widely overlooked, but it's actually really, really important. So we are hoping to convince you a little bit that you should do art with your kids. Yeah. So first of all, you can't really be well-rounded if you don't have art. Art is pervasive through everything we do in society. I think one of the problems, Michelle, is that when we say the word art, we think little craft project. Or we mean paintings hanging in a gallery. Yeah. But it's actually so much broader than that. It is. You can't sit in a single room without being surrounded by art. And that includes rooms that don't have framed pictures on the walls. Right. So even just the act of painting a wall in some color is an artistic choice. Yeah. And it affects us in certain ways, too. Yeah. The car that you drive, someone designed that. Right. The clothes the, that you're wearing right now. Movies and music, I don't know of any cultures where that kind of entertainment isn't really, really important to people. But the problem is we don't recognize the connections between those artistic things that are all around us and their symbolisms and what they mean and the effect that they have on people. And when you really start to study art, you begin to see those things. Right. So when you see a sign on the side of the road that is well designed, an uneducated person just thinks, oh, that's pretty. I want to go there. An educated person sees the psychological effects of it. They see how it's affecting your choices. They see you know, the, the color schemes, they see shape, they see line. They, there's a whole bunch that you get out of it. And that's a very, very simple example and probably one that's not very important. But if we go into something that's more important, let's take a piece of music, even if it's pop music. It has messages. It has musical themes. The musical themes often came from something before. They may have come from the romantic period music or classical period music. Pockle Bell's Canon in, in B, D, in in key, D. Canon in D, is extremely common theme that that musical score that's in the middle of there is in all kinds of music that you hear now. And if you don't know that, then you you're missing a little piece. So I don't know why this triggered in my mind, but my kids a while ago were talking and they were saying, Oh, that's a song from TikTok," And I don't even remember what song it was, but it was a song that has been around for way longer than TikTok. you know? Yeah. But TikTok has these little brief versions of songs, just little tiny segments of them that it plays over and over and you hear these little sound bites over and over. And they thought that was a TikTok song. So there are no TikTok songs, guys. People <laughs> yeah. on TikTok use pieces of other songs to do that. But we don't even recognize the cultural references around us all of the time if we aren't learning about them and aware of them. Yeah, so... So the arts includes you know, theater, dance, music, painting, of course, and sculpture. It also includes things like marketing, Cooking, signs, industrial design. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. So all of that is the arts. And, and because it's so pervasive through everything you do, you would only notice it if it weren't there. It's kind of like that, you know? Imagine living in a blank black and white world. Nobody sings. Yeah. And 
it would just be a whole different experience. Yeah. I think when we study art, one of the amazing things that happens is that we learn to notice details and what things are made of and why choices are made. And it relates to things beyond just the world of art. But those skills are things that we acquire when we learn to really look into the things around us that are artistic choices. I think part of the reason that arts are not focused on in education is because it is really hard to put on a test, first of all. And secondly, the benefits of being artistically educated are so intangible, it's really hard to define or even talk about. Like right now, I feel like I'm struggling to explain why it's so important. Because it's so intangible. It's not like you can say, well, if you know about art, you'll be able to do this thing like you can with math, you know? Yeah. Instead, it's a different way that you see things, an entirely different perspective. One example, and this is a silly example, but kind of on the flip side of art, besides just being aware and looking at art, is the creation of art. And you can look at it and you can say, oh, Over the years that we've done art, I've watched my kids become more creative. They've become more inventive. Mm -hmm. They can come up with ideas and processes and and thoughts that never even occurred to me. You know, they're coming up with new things, not just being able to rehearse back to me the things that I've taught them, but actually coming up with something new. That's a whole different kind of intelligence that can't taught in a series of lists or facts or given on a test and it is best taught in art but it translates into anything everything everything. Everything. yeah I mean parenting cooking if you're going to be a welder it translates into that you know it translates into even creativity in a job like accounting you know I mean it's problem it's everywhere it's It's, problem solving ingenuity Uh uh-huh and we really get it well when we're doing those, I'm going to call it art project, but it's not necessarily the same kind of art project all the time, but it's when we have this opportunity to create something. It's amazing the skills that kids get, but yeah, you can't put it on a test. Yeah. And I I think, I really think that's why it's kind of neglected in education. Because you can't write an educational standard for it exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's not a test question. You can't standardize it on a test. It's not on the SATs. And it's not immediate. Yeah. I can't say, oh, I'm going to teach you this process and now you'll regurgitate this process. It's something that little by little, I'm going to say people, not just kids, people grow in leaps and bounds from artistic processes and noticing things through an artist's eye. And, and we're saying this as non-artists. Yeah. Except in a way we are artists now because, you know, we've designed our books and our covers. We've designed the interiors of our books that we do for layers of learning. Those are artistic choices that we've made. You know, the, the colors we picked, the designs, the layouts, the, I don't know, all of that, that is really artistic. We are, don't think of ourselves as artists, but I think that because we've had to stretch in that way, I have found talents I didn't know I had. Oh yeah. You know, and, and we mentioned it's not just painting or drawing. It's a lot of things. Every time you grow into doing things that you haven't done before in original new ways that you have created something or thought of a new thing, that's an artistic process. When we take art classes, it's kind of like, it's kind of like sit-ups. 
you do sit-ups and you think that didn't do anything. The next day I'm just sore and it wasn't, it wasn't that great. (laughs) But if you do sit-ups for a year, you're a different person. Yeah. And that's kind of how art is. It's like, it's not going to happen overnight, but when you keep practicing it over time, you become a different person. So the second reason that I think we shouldn't neglect art is just because it's so much fun. It is. I mean, not only is it fun to do the art projects, my kids love that, but it's also fun for me anyway, maybe I'm a nerd, but I love to look at a painting and be have the symbolism and the light that the artist used, the type of paint they used, the way that they chose some theme from history or mythology to make their subject of their painting. I love learning about the painting itself, like this art tour of the painting. I feel so much more aware of not just that particular piece of art, but of the way people think of philosophies of the past, of, you know, things that matter to people, things that are enduring in culture. It makes connections yeah. in your mind. To so, me, that's fun. Michelle, you were telling me that recently your family did the Guernica yeah. exploration. Yeah. Is that what happened? Like, did your kids connect? Yeah. So it, it's the that painting is by Picasso. And, you know, he does this Cubist style that is very modern and not realistic. It's very um, abstract. abstract. You could look and, at it and say, I'm not sure what that's and painting. So of. at first glance, we were all like, oh, we don't like that painting. Right. It's also in tones of grays and blacks. Right. It's yeah. black and white kind of. So it's not something that really draws you in. But when you hear the story behind the painting, it takes on an entirely different view. And I went from being like, eh, about that painting to being like, you know, I probably still wouldn't hang it on my wall. I love the message behind it. I love the the way that he took this horrible, awful event and made it matter and made it enduring. If it hadn't been for that painting, I don't know if I ever would have heard about the massacre at Guernica. Yeah. And this was a situation where the Spanish government actually allowed some of their own people to be massacred, essentially. And Picasso was standing up in protest by creating this painting yeah. about it and one of the great things is that the painting is enormous right mm-hmm. it's w- he was making a statement yeah he was making a statement it it's it like i don't know 24 feet long or something like that i it, can't remember I can't what remember it was the exact it's huge it's, it's huge like it's an entire wall right and it was hanging it may still be hanging in the un uh one of the un buildings i think in the hague maybe but in any case it was hanging in there and then in the early 2000s when the united states wanted to invade iraq they asked that that painting be covered up because the message of the painting is war is horrible. And so they covered the painting before the vote was taken. To me, that is such a poignant story. Like like that painting was so impactful that they had to actually hide it. They were a little afraid of it. They were afraid of it. And and they should be afraid of it. And, And it's like, I don't know. To me, that whole story, everything around it has such cultural relevance that that painting matters in massive ways that it didn't matter to me when I just saw it and was like, eh, you know, that's what happens as you start to study art is you might not love the art that you're studying, but you are changed by it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your mind is open to new concepts and new ideas. And then you start to look at the other things around you and say, what does that mean? You find significance in, I mean, it's, this is a ridiculous example, but I'm sitting here looking at you and I, and I'm like, this is funny. 
we're both wearing the same thing. So we are wearing pretty much we, the same outfit. <laughs> we woke up this morning in different homes, you know, <laughs> in different cities. And Michelle drove to my house and showed up to podcast. And we happened to be both wearing jeans and black sweatshirts. We have different colors of socks on. Look at that. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a silly example, but it does make me say, huh, how similar are we? I don't know. There's, <laughs> yeah. there is symbolism and meaning behind the choices that we make artistically. And I'm not saying that you and I are identical twins or anything, <laughs> but we do tend to have a lot of the same values and choices in a lot of things that we do, including a lot of our outfits. I mean, not on purpose. We don't, we don't twin her on purpose. We but didn't, we, we didn't plan it. <laughs> but the things, even the dress that someone chooses to wear, they chose to wear it for a reason. They're making a statement about themselves in some way or another, you know, and it goes beyond that. But the cars that we drive, the color that we paint our house, all those things, they say something about us. And it goes way beyond that when you get into advertisement or film yeah film there's so much meaning behind the choices that are made and when you start to be able to see that meaning it really opens the world to you yeah I, I think you know we talk about cultural literacy which I think is incredibly important just understanding a reference when someone makes it yeah but it goes so so much deeper than that and cultural literacy is almost all found through literature and art that's where most of it is at. And so if you don't understand, if you know, if you haven't read any Shakespeare plays, you can't understand the references that are made. Yeah. And and if you don't understand the references, first of all, you're kind of cut out of the conversation, you know. And secondly, you can't then understand the philosophies or the deeper things that are happening in your culture and your society. It's important to be educated in those ways because it makes us aware. Yeah. And, and without awareness, what good how, does an education yeah. do? How, how do you make choices? And and not just, you know, like what career you're going to have. I mean, we're talking about like, how are you going to live your life? How do you choose how do you live your life if you don't have a frame of context? Mm-hmm. So that's what art does. It's also a creative outlet. Not that all art is exactly therapy, but it's been amazing to me to watch my kids like find peace as we're doing just a fun art project. Even they can feel upset or angry or frustrated with, we always go back to math with the math lesson, (laughs) but then we stop and do a drawing and it like brings them back. And not every kid is exactly happily um, influenced by art necessarily, but it can be a healing thing for a lot of people. Yeah. it, It also can just be a chance Again, things like English and math and science have a lot of rules, right? Mm -hmm. And art doesn't. And I think the fact that art doesn't is both difficult because you don't know the parameters necessarily, but it's also freeing and it's a good challenge because you have to make up your own rules. So in that way, like that creative outlet, that ability to freely do what you want to do in math, you have to do it the right way and you have to get the right answer. Although there is actually a lot of creativity in math. There is, but not usually it's when not, kids are starting out. Yeah, and it's not quite the same. But but that doing the art project, even if the art project does have directions, my kids all made Monet water lily craft activities mm-hmm. the other day. And, and mine are in high school. The oldest one is a senior. They all loved it. They all did it. And, and we watched a little video about Monet's water lilies so they knew 
the context. They knew about Monet. You know, there was more to it than just doing a craft. Yeah. And they got done and they had all followed the same directions, but they all had different looking products. They all looked great, but they were different from one another, you know? Yeah. We had a family painting day. It was one of those watercolor kits and this was my extended family. So my mother-in-law got all these kits for everybody and everyone was making the same painting from the kit. Not a single one turned out at all the same. They were all good and interesting, but they were all very different because each person has their own style and spin that they put on it, even when it's from a kit, amazingly. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're following a one of those videos, a tutorial video altogether, you'll still get all different yeah, things. Yeah, it's, it's going to be all different because creatively each person is going to come out I with actually, a different I product. Actually, I like that part about it. Yeah. I enjoy that. It's And I, I feel like when you look at the finished product that your child made – you know something about that child you didn't know before. And it's again, it's really, really hard to define. But you just get this kind of feeling of this is their style. This is what they like. This is it's just there. It's them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we talk about writing and I I use the six traits of writing in writer's workshop. And the last trait is voice. Mm-hmm. And voice is just can I do I know who wrote this? Can I sense you in your writing? kind of a thing. And that's what happens with art too. Do I know who made this? Can I sense you as the artist in there? And it's cool to see each person's individuality shine in whatever art they're doing, even when it's from a kit or just silly things. The next reason that you shouldn't skip art is that it slows you down. It helps you to become more aware and cognizant of your thinking. It forces you to kind of step back and not just take in the information real quick and move on, but you have to stop and pause, think it through, analyze it. Whether that means that you're looking at someone else's painting or a piece of art, or if you're making your own, you still have to slow down and think it through, make decisions, come to understanding. Yeah, this is another hard to describe thing that happens when we teach kids art, but we actually are teaching them to think about thinking. It's called metacognition. But they have to stop and actually consider the processes, consider their goals, consider the outcome. There's a lot that goes into even a finger painting, you know. But there's there's something that I taught my kids when we were learning to memorize things. And it's called the Memory Museum. Have you ever heard of that, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. So if you need to memorize something, you picture yourself like walking through a museum and seeing the items that you're memorizing. So if you have a list of 10 items, you picture yourself walking through this museum and seeing the 10 items. And as you visualize it and picture it, you're able to remember things. That's one version of metacognition. But because you slow down in art and you're thinking about every little bit, every line, every shape, every color, all of the processes, you're learning to slow down and walk through the piece of art, whether it's something someone else created or you're creating it yourself you're stopping and slowing down enough to think about that, to walk through the painting, to experience it. And it really teaches you to think about how to think. And it's astounding to watch the effects on kids over time. You don't see it immediately, but over time it changes the way they think. One of the things about thinking about art is that unlike most of the other school subjects we do, there aren't really right answers. I mean, there, there can be some like who painted this painting. It was Picasso. You know, that's a, that's a right answer. But, but like 
you could ask about what do you think is the meaning behind this painting or what is the feeling you get from this painting or what do you think was the artist's message? If you ask 10 people, you'll get 10 different answers, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that there aren't right answers is a challenge because that means you're responsible for it yourself. Like you get to, it's harder in a lot of ways. You can't just memorize it and answer the question. Yeah. People always would tell me how smart I was in school. They'd say, oh, Karen, you're so smart. You're so smart. And I never felt smart. I I just said, I'm not smart. I'm just well-read. Because people thought that smart meant that I could answer the teacher's questions. And in my mind, smart was being able to come up with things that no one had ever come up with. I wanted to be able to be inventive, not regurgitative, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a real difference there. But but art is that difference. It's, you're not rehearsing something back that someone taught you. You're not just saying an answer. You have to actually create something, yeah. come up with something. And that's invent that's smart to me. Yeah. Well, and and I think that like we've mentioned, that translates into everything else you do. Like that ability to think that way and to step back, see the big picture, maybe look at it from a completely different angle, except that maybe the answers that everyone else thinks are right might not be. I mean, that's when you get innovative people and you get new solutions and you get and it doesn't matter what field you're talking about. Yeah. That's valuable. Yeah. There have actually been tons and tons of studies on how art improves performance on tests. It helps people be better critical thinkers, helps them memorize, helps them in interpersonal relationships. There are lots of studies about this, but because it's not very measurable, like we mentioned, you know, you can't test for it. It is still overlooked. Yeah, it really is. I think it's so valuable and I could never take art out of our homeschool because I've watched it help me personally blossom and my kids. It's so cool to watch over time how they start to change the way they think as they get really involved. Well, in don't art. you think that most of adult life is not knowing the right answers Yeah, <laughs> and having to figure out like you have to problem solve all the time. You have to think, I mean, whether you're dealing with parenting or paying the bills or figuring out where you're going to live or the career. I mean, there's all it's of adult a life right answer. Yeah. All of adult life is about these decisions that you have to make and being able to analyze and think things through and creatively solve problems. And that's taught in art. Yeah. Yeah. You don't expect it, but it is. It's the skills, not the content. It's the skills that you're learning when you're studying art that so translate to aspects of your life. Another thing to, to remember is that roughly half the people in the world are creative, hands-on types. Naturally. like Yeah. Yeah. And and that means that a lot of your children will struggle in something that is very regimented, like writing or math or getting the right answers on a test. But in art, they can blossom and they deserve to have that experience where they really have the chance to be the one that shines. This might be a little bit off topic, but my daughter, she's just decided that she's really into drawing. We've done how to draws and done art things throughout our, all of her homeschool years, mm-hmm. you know, but now she's starting to pick up her sketchbook and draw in her free time a lot. And I asked her, I was like, what are, what are you working on, Isabel? What are you doing? And she was drawing eyeballs, a whole bunch of these, just this series of eyeballs. And I said, those are cool, but what you doing? 
And she said, well, every year you have us do our self-portrait at the beginning of the year. And oh. I'm never very happy with mine. Oh. So I'm going to practice all of the parts of my face until I can put it all together into a self-portrait that I'm happy with. Now, the self-portraits are not something that I grade. It's not something that, you know, I'm going to say it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But, but it matters to her. And it's interesting to me because she's doing this totally artistic pursuit in a super methodical way. Yeah. She's, she's practicing a, the eyeball. She's a left brain artist. Yeah. And it's been interesting for me to watch her think about this. And she's already practicing now on totally separate pages from the eyeball. She's practicing the shading of the nose. So she doesn't have to draw the lines of the nose because okay. you know, our, our noses don't actually have lines. Right. You know, and so she's just been really methodical with it. And it's cool for me to watch because when I think of her, I'm going it's starting to blur for me whether she's like that artistic right brain type or the analytical left brain type <laughs> because she's practicing both so profoundly in our homeschool on a regular basis. It's really starting to blend and come together and it's cool. Yeah. So maybe we're not quite as either or as we think. It's just we haven't had the well, right at, education. <laughs> at least we don't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we tend to say, oh, that's just the kind of person that I am. I think it's good for the ones who are more analytical to stretch themselves too, like to be forced to do the thing that is harder. If you never do art, then they're always in their comfort zone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we can learn about all kinds of things. And we shouldn't stop when we say, I'm not good at that, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's... I might practice drawing eyeballs for five years longer than Isabel, and she will be better than me at it. Her first eyeball is probably going to be better than my hundredth, but that doesn't mean that I should not do it. Yeah, although I did quit piano. You did quit piano. <laughs> that, was, that was a good decision. You don't. You don't have to love everything you do. That's not what I'm saying. Like you don't have to. You may not love every bit of it, but that doesn't mean you should stop all creation. Right, right. You yeah. maybe just need to direct it somewhere else. <laughs> You're not musical, Michelle. Don't keep trying. You know, so. it, that's interesting, though, because I, I used to teach piano. I used to play yeah. the piano all the time. And I haven't played in the past couple of years because my eyesight hasn't been as good. And it's really, really hard for my eyes to track. And I can't look down and up at the keyboard. And then this year I decided I'm going to set a goal to play the piano every single day. And it's, it's hard for me. It's legitimately difficult for me. And it's double hard because I am way better at it than I am now. You know, I have you, been better, you were better. my whole life. Yeah. I was better at 16 <laughs> than I am today. And I've played my whole life, you know, but it's been interesting for me to watch. I mean, I, I hate to admit this, but my son came up to me the other day. This is my youngest. And he said, mom, Gold star. That really sounded good. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, he was applauding me. And he and then he said, I hate to tell you this, but when you first started, and this is in January when I set the goal to do it, you know, when you first started, you were really bad. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, my eyesight is not any better. This is because I have MS. My eyesight is blurry and it's harder for me to see now. That's not going to change. But I have developed skills in it, not as good as I was before, but I have developed over these few months in ways that my family has noticed. You'd really do get better when you do things, even though my my actual ability to play isn't any better. But I've practiced and kind of retrained myself, and you can get better at the things that you do creatively when you practice and practice and practice. 
wasn't it and Bach? i got a gold star yeah you got a gold star yeah what wasn't it Bach that went deaf and after that he played his best music it was, was it Bach? Of, it was one of the three b's i think it was Bach. i think it was yeah but yeah it's it's not going to always be an ideal situation and you're not going to be like oh i am an artist i am selling art and making a living that's not what we're looking for we're asking you to spend a life creating and to have your kids create things in your homeschool, keep practicing skills and things like that. Those things will translate into real life skills, whether or not you ever make a dime at your art. I, I, know, I don't even think everyone should aim to be an artist any more than I think everyone should aim to be you know, an electrician. No, well, some of us have amusia. <laughs> okay. You're I, not musical, but I, you are... Awesome at cooking. No, but I I am, I am, I'm kind of proud of this. Okay. So so let me say it. I'm actually legitimately tone deaf. I cannot tell the difference between notes. I cannot tell if a note is higher than another note, if they're at all close, if they're way far apart, I can, but if they're at all close, I can't tell. I can't hear the nuances of language. Like learning foreign languages is really, really challenging for me because I can't hear the tones. tones, When I even listen, like talking on the telephone is really hard for me because I can't hear the tones on the telephone. And I'm fine with that. I just am glad I realized I'm not musical. And no matter how much I practice, I will never be any good at it. So let's do something that's more worth my time. (laughs) And yet I've heard you play the piano, Michelle. It was a long time ago. I I can play Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. That's it. (laughs) You're not setting a goal to play the piano every day like I am. No, no. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I don't even like playing the radio. (laughs) <laughs> we all have to okay. find our artistic Here we are voices. talking about how important art is. I'm telling you that I don't like music. <laughs> I, you're not going to love, I mean, just like you said, you don't really love Picasso's art, but you were changed. By yeah. Bernica. Well, well, here, here's the thing. Like, I don't listen to music just for fun like most people do. Okay. Because it's, it's, to me, it's noise because I think I am tone deaf. But, <laughs> but. I, I do love listening to like a Bach piece and finding out the story behind it and learning about the innovative, you know, scales or notes that he used. Like to me, that is the, the intellectual side of it, I guess. I love, love, love that. I love the story behind things. And I love, again, I'm never going to be a great artist myself, but I absolutely love learning about paintings and sculptures and the lives of artists. Like that is really really fun for me you know that concept when you really get to know someone who lives a completely different life than you and the more you know them the more you're like wow like my whole perspective is changed yeah because I met that person yeah that's what I do with paintings like oh I I think so really get into a painting and analyze it I go wow I see things differently that, now. That's a good analogy because that's, yeah, that's and exactly. That's what it does for me when I study art. I go, huh. And a lot of layers of learning art focuses on art history, probably partly because of that, because I love art history. Yeah, but also because of that, like, if you don't know about the great paintings, poems, sculptures, stories, buildings that are part of your cultural heritage, then you're really missing a huge piece of who you are as a person like your culture is you where you came from is you and if you don't understand the great cathedrals of Europe and you're someone from the western world then you're missing a piece of yourself you, you know, know it's, it's interesting 
we could go into almost so many government buildings, you know, the Capitol buildings of America. Yeah. And you can see the Greek architecture. It's a big deal. And a lot of people just go, oh, yeah, those all look similar. But once you understand that a lot of our ideals and ideas about government and all of those things came from those ancient Greeks. From Greece and Rome. And when Mm -hmm. you start to study those times and see what we have in common, and we've mentioned this before, but when you start to realize that you're standing on the shoulders of other people, you know, you're... You learned from them, and now you are seeing things from a better perspective because of their sacrifices and their knowledge and what they gave you. You start to see things like that. Or you could just walk by the Capitol building and go, wow, that's a cool dome. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it just changes the way that you see things in meaningful ways when you understand the art. It's also funny and sometimes embarrassing when people don't understand the cultural references References. because okay there's an example there's a a quote that is said all the time and it's from Shakespeare everyone uses it wrong okay and we we did my kids and I did Twelfth Night we read the play and watched it and after that we can never hear this quote the same again okay (laughs) because it goes some are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them. Yeah, super common. And most people take that very seriously. They take it at face value. But actually in the play, it was said tongue in cheek. It was meant to be ironic. It was making fun of the character that it was said to. But people always quote it seriously. And so it's the most funny thing when you hear someone do it seriously <laughs> and you're sitting there snickering in the background because you know what it really means. So now every time... <laughs> You guys want to like slight someone, you just call them great and then yeah. you all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you have had greatness thrust upon you. Very dramatically, yes. <laughs> it, it is funny when you really know the cultural references behind things and you recognize, you know, the ties into history and into other cultures, times, places. You just see the world from a little bit different viewpoint in cool ways. I think another thing that art does. Art is how people express their emotions, their frustrations, their triumphs. Like the deepest emotional parts of us are expressed through art. Sometimes that's plays. Sometimes it's a sculpture. Sometimes it's a building. But it's expressed through art. And it helps you to have compassion and to understand people. Because the message is done in an emotional way, you can understand it much more than if it were a logical argument, you know, written down in a paper or something. Okay, art, art connects us emotionally. So when somebody creates a painting or a building or a sculpture, they are putting their emotion into it. And it's directly conveyed to the person who views it later, right? In, in a way that a intellectual argument, like if you were going to write an essay, couldn't do. Because you get, this, you get this emotional piece and it's just like a direct kind of message. This is a very materialistic type of example but I've noticed in recent years that advertising in the United States has changed a lot and especially when it comes to like body image it used to be that you only saw the stick thin models on every single ad for every single thing yeah and in recent years they've changed that so you see all shapes and sizes and colors of people on the ads and At first, you were like, huh, that's interesting. And everybody was talking about the companies who did that. Like, whoa, that's that's remarkable. And it's becoming more common than not to just do that. And we're kind of 
opening our eyes and saying more of us look like that than like the stick thin model, you know, and it's kind of changed the perception of, of people. And we don't think that art does that, but it does. We actually have changed our perceptions and I, I think it does too. It's interesting. I, I really enjoy British TV. So <laughs> not music, but British TV gets, yeah. The, okay. Gets the pass. Yes. I like, I like murder <laughs> mysteries and nobody does murder like the British, but, <laughs> but when you watch British TV, the people look normal. When you watch American TV, there's a detective running around in high heels with her hair done and a skanky dress on. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the difference. And it's it's funny because in, in Britain, somehow they never did the Hollywood glamour thing, right? That's not how their, their theater, their art, their TV has been. But in America, that's completely how it is. It's all glamorous. And I don't know exactly the roots of that, but well, it's I, different. I don't know that we tie it back to this, but it reminds me of the Greeks and the Romans again. Because the Greeks believed in portraying completely ideal yeah. images. They wanted everyone to look perfect. If you had a mole on your face, it would have been removed in the painting. You know, it. they believed in idealism. The Romans liked the Greek art, and the Romans were classic for borrowing from all of their neighbors. They didn't come up with things necessarily, but they borrowed really well, and then put their own spin on it. And they believed in realism. They said, why would we want everyone to be ideal? We want it to look as realistic as as we do. I want know? to be painted by a Greek artist. <laughs> <laughs> then you like being an American. You want to have the, no, no, the no. Photoshop and the filters. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> it has been funny lately to watch as people are using filters, how it used to be that they put filters on their photos and they didn't admit it. And now it has like a hashtag that shows what filter they used. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's funny to think about those things and go, huh. What does the art that we're creating say about our values, about our character, about our beliefs? And they are very reflective of what's happening in our time. And that's true of paintings and songs and movies. Bumper stickers. <laughs> Bumper stickers and ads and the clothing yeah. trends that are happening. And all of those things are really related. And when you start to analyze it a little bit and think about, hmm, why is that a trend right now? And it's funny because right now a lot of the trends in clothing and things are repeated from when we were kids. Yeah. Have you noticed that, Michelle? Yeah. Like it's, you're seeing all the same trends again. And my husband and I were laughing the other day. We were like, it's hilarious to watch the trends that we thought were cool and then we discovered weren't cool. Like mullets. Yeah. And then they're now they're cool back. again. <laughs> yeah. But once you see it as a as a trend, you start to say, huh, what does that communicate about us? What? Yeah. Why is it a trend? Where did it come from? And do I want to get on the bandwagon or do I not? You know, it's all of those choices that you make. But those are all artistic decisions. Yeah. I One thing that I think sets arts apart from other school subjects is that instead of the students absorbing information and the teacher feeding it to them, the students are the ones that are presenting the information and the teacher is coaxing it out of them. Don't you think it's the reverse? Like the teacher is trying to get the student to creatively create art or to creatively see art through their you know, own perspective through their own perspective and so it, it's really a reverse of the way that we do most education that is one of the reasons why it's so important because it is the antithesis to everything else you do it's the other half mm -hmm. I remember vividly I was taking some art history classes when I was in college and my professor stood up and was explaining this painting he, he used to put paintings up on the projector screen and then we had to evaluate them in terms of line shape value you know all of the 
elements and then he'd ask us our interpretation and all of those things and he was explaining this painting and then there was a girl in my class who stood up and said I don't see it that way and she explained her perspective and I could never see it his way again it was just a totally different fresh perspective and there's not someone who's right or wrong it's just the different lens through which they see the world and saw that piece of art and it's made me really start to see art in other ways because I force myself to I say what else could that mean what else could yeah it represent I, I think that's actually really hard especially at first because maybe it's our training in school but we want there to be an answer mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's so much easier if there's just an answer and when there's not an answer it's really hard and it, the fact that it's hard is means that you're stretching yourself it means that you're learning I also like that that same thing because you're drawing things out of the student when you're their homeschool teacher and you're drawing things out of your children, you're getting to know their inner thoughts. That's how they're expressing themselves. And to get to know an inner, the inner thoughts of a person is to really get to know the person. Yeah. That's, that's really what it means to be intimate, to have a close relationship. It is knowing the inner thoughts of another person and to have that with your children. I mean, that's, that's powerful. And there's something to be said about kids being used to sharing those parts themselves with you and you being willing to do the same. Like it opens up the pathways of communication and allows for connection. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm not a person who naturally trusts everyone that I meet and I'm not really, I'm pretty private. I think you're pretty private too. Yeah. It's funny that we're on a podcast saying that we're private, but, but we are. Turn it off. Don't listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) In, in our lives with our friends, we tend to be pretty private people, but we are people who have a small, close circle of loved ones who we really, really trust. Part of that's family and part of it's our close friends. But I think it's valuable for kids to learn to communicate in those close ways, the parts of themselves that really matter to them that they might be afraid to share, but well, I remember, yeah, I, I remember being in school and not wanting to share my writing. Like if, if I wrote a poem, I did not want to read that in front of the class. I was so scared. To that was awful. Yeah. And, but my children, I mean, we're family, so it makes it different, but still my children happily and excitedly share their poems with each other. They're mm-hmm. not shy about it. And it's because they've been trained all the way along that we just can do that. And I have taught them, you know, we clap when someone yeah, shares it, a poem. This sounds silly, but it's a safe place. Yes. Like, yes. And, and, you know, we don't criticize the poem. We don't tell them what they should have done better. We just applaud and we're, that makes everyone feel like they can share, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it's them sharing a poem they wrote or saying their ideas about a painting that you're looking at, everyone needs to feel like they can or sharing something that. they created themselves, you know, yeah. their own painting or yeah. whatever. Because those things really are like the, the, your, there's your innermost self that's coming out. It's your emotions, your thoughts, your beliefs that's expressed through art and it can't help but be expressed through art. I think the one thing that we haven't touched on at all, Michelle, is that art just makes your homeschool more fun. There's no doubt about it that you need those moments where there aren't right answers. It needs to just be fun and creative and lighthearted sometimes. And a lot of our art is just that. I still remember when my kids were pretty little, we invited all of these other neighborhood kids to come over and we were just going to have a fun art party. I, th- I don't know where this came from in my mind, but I thought it'd be fun to have the kids over and do an art project. And so that was the first time that we did 
the scream exploration that you oh, see in our arts books yeah. where basically the kids pose like the scream. They do their screaming pose and I took a photograph of them and then I printed off the photographs and they cut their body out and then they made their own background for the scream painting. And that is still in layers of learning today yeah, because it was they're a, super cute. Yeah, yeah, it was just a really fun art project that I did with the neighborhood kids and and my own kids. They were all there, but it was just really fun. And I will always treasure those pictures, those first ones. We've replaced it since then because we've done the project several times. Like the ones in Layers of Learning are not the original screen paintings that I did in that neighborhood art project. But every time I see the screen painting, it reminds me of all of those days of fun. It was just a yeah. good time. We did it, it out in the yard. It, it does, was awesome. It does make memories. Do you remember the time that you had the kids out in the yard and you were throwing balloons of paint? Yes. Oh, no. It, it Was it eggshells or balloons? Well, we, or have you done both? We did balloons with darts, but the one that you're remembering is eggshells. Okay. So I basically made, I hollowed out the eggshells. I mean, not hollowed them out, but I cut the eggs in half, you know, and I just had the halves of shells and filled them with paint. And we carried the the egg carton outside. So it's all full of all of these bright paint colors. And we just set up like tag board things and the kids just hucked the eggs at the white tag board and it made a splattered mess of paint on them and it was so fun yeah it we were learning about action painting at the time like Jackson yeah. Pollock so, and, so you're learning something about a real painter and some of the ways that he painted and then you go out and just splatter paint all over the place and it's yeah fun. and we talked about the different emotions that come with that like you can be frustrated and really chuck that egg <laughs> you know or you can like lob it up and just watch it splat, you know, just for fun. And there's so many things that can be tied into it. It made us look at that action art and say, wow, what do you think was happening? And what do you think that studio looked like? Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? our, our woods outside of our house were a disaster, but it was all washable, non-toxic. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really, really fun. You can just make art so, so fun. I still remember when my daughters wanted to make fairy castles so we just created them out of different paper scraps. And they were kind of a collage style fairy castle. And then one of my daughters said, we should have made snowy ones because it was in the wintertime. And okay. I said, I'm sure we could make it snow. And we went down and got sugar from the pantry oh. and just put like splattered glue. And they basically used sugar in the way that you would use glitter. Oh. And they made these snow frosting all over That's the fairy cool. castles. Like it was just fun to see like the creativity that comes when they get an idea and then we say, how can we make that happen? And then when you make it happen and it's not like you have to follow the process or the recipe of the fairy castle with snow. Yeah. It's just the creation. That's the cool thing. We, we usually like to do art towards the end of the week because it is fun and it's more lighthearted and you can finish your week off with like this easy kind of fun, interesting yeah. project. Not stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you spill glitter, sometimes, yeah, sometimes <laughs> art can be stressful. Depends on how old your kids are and how much paint there is, right? <laughs> we also like to make sure that our kids have other types of art. My kids like to sew. I hate sewing. They don't like to sew like clothes or anything. They just like to sew for fun to make random little things. You know, most of my boys have wanted to learn how to sew like to them, they a, sewed a sewing, quivers. Yeah, to yeah, hold exactly. And they they made themselves cloaks, like the Ranger's Apprentice. You know that book series. Yeah, yeah. So I taught them the basics of how to sew, and then I was like, I'm walking out of the room. I don't like sewing. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, 
<laughs> we don't like sewing because our mom is an amazing seamstress. Seamstress like sews wedding She's dresses. She's really good. Yeah. And so we we're inferior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should we should be better, Michelle. But but again, as far as the creative process, like we learned how to sew enough to be able to do that. Yeah. And then our kids who are into it get to take off with it if they want to. Yeah. And mine have only done it just so that they could make their quivers and cloaks and <laughs> bags and things like that. But do, do your kids ever do like cooking competitions? Have you done that no, in your family? No, we haven't done competitions. That's, they do like to cook. That's a big deal. You should, you should try it. But that's a big deal in our family. Okay. We do like cupcake wars or chopped and the kids will make like plates of food and then they'll bring mom and dad and we're the judges and they present their plates and everything. And they have made some awesome, awesome creations. Like last, I guess it was just last week, my kids did a Cupcake Wars thing. And my daughter made the most adorable s'more cupcakes ever. She had built these little teeny tiny s'mores to be the toppers on the cupcakes. And she filled it with like a homemade marshmallow cream that she made. And it's just fun to watch them do things that I never taught her how to do that. I've never made that. I've never done it. But she came up with the idea and figured out how to get it done. That is good. That is good for them. I I think to kind of sum it all up, it's just that art is so important for the thought processes and the way that we see the world. And that if you don't do art education, you're missing an entire half. It's, It's not just one piece of your education. It's like half. Half of it is gone. You're missing all the creativity. You're missing all of the or most of the problem solving. You're missing all of that emotion and all of the inner life of your children you're missing the way that they get to express themselves. It's it's a big deal to miss out on art. Yeah, so just taking an hour out of your week and having an art project seems like a really small price to pay for the amazing skills that your kids acquire from it. And awesomely, it will extend to way beyond that hour or so a week that you're spending because they start to use those skills in every bit of their lives when you make art a part of life. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.